On this episode of Tell Me What You Know, we're getting buzzed off a cold six-pack of killer bee knowledge. The Africanized honeybee, aka killer bee, likes to swarm and sting more than their docile cousins. We talk about how this hybrid apis made its way to the USA and dive into whether or not these insects are as deadly and dangerous as they have been made out to be. Where does their sting rank on the pain scale created by the king of sting himself? You have to listen to find out. And then we're talking about our intelligence quotients. And if you're wicked smart, you'll know we're talking about IQ. This standardized measurement compares your intelligence against all the other test participants. An IQ of 100 doesn't mean anything other than you are perfectly average. People with IQs in the top 2% of the population can join the organization Mensa, which makes them Mensons, which I think shows exactly how smart they are. Me and Michael aren't Mensons, and you probably aren't either, because you're listening to Tell Me What You Know. Hello, everybody, and welcome. Today is Tuesday, May the 5th. This is episode two of season two of Tell Me What You Know. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Have some Margs later. Beat me. Yeah, I beat you. Yeah. Yeah, I ordered some Margs, some fajitas. Some fajitas. We've already ordered them. Yeah, place some order uh, ahead through these COVID times. Huh. Yeah. Did they recommend you do that, or are you just like, might as well just put it some out there? Some promotional email from some place we like, and yeah. I was like, all right, sure. Here's nice. here's our money. Well done. Yeah. Gets delivered at seven. Yeah. So I'm excited. I wonder if I can. I mean, I know I can do that. I'm just wondering how many margaritas <laughs> I should drink for myself <laughs> by myself. I think it was like a order of four. I think for us, so uh-huh. I think maybe we'd get two each. So I get four each. Yeah, four for me. That's the way this place did it. At least right. you could go get some some tequila or some mezcal. Yeah, make your own. It's a lot of work. Eh, yeah, that's not too, not too bad. No, it's true. Yeah, that's true. Maybe I will do that. Maybe I order some good Mexican food as well. Yeah. For dinner. Yeah, get some quesadillas. A tamale. Do you have a favorite Mexican meal? I usually get the like the enchilada combo typically. Mm. Just nothing better enchiladas than enchiladas are solid. Yeah. You like a green or a red? Like both. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well <laughs> love it all. It's great. Yeah. Woo. Oh to start here. Let's jump into today. Let's do it. Into these topics. Michael, there's been a lot of talk in the news world. You know, it just seems like just one thing after another in 2020 so far. Yeah. The most recent one is murder hornets. I saw this. Yeah, these murder hornets on the horizon. Uh, so everybody should be super scared, obviously. They rip bees' heads off. That's right. Michael, tell me what you know about killer bees. Ooh. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think they're, they're a different strain of, like, they're not honeybees. But, you know, they're not, they're not eating, like, meat. I mean... <laughs> I think that they... The second part of that is true. They actually are honeybees. They're, they are honeybees. Yeah. Okay. So there's just a strain of... They're species of honeybees? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't really know too... Do they come from Africa? Killer they bees? They Killer do. bees, the strain comes from Africa. Right. Everything bad, I feel like, comes from Africa. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. all the, the bad animal stuff. Right. Uh, that or Australia. You, that or Australia. Yeah. You want the largest... Blank filling, you go to Australia or Africa. Right. Uh, most deadly, go to Australia or Africa. Do you know what is the most deadly animal in Africa? The hippo? I think it's the hippo. I think it's the hippo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Super territorial. They'll bite you in like in half in one bite with those jaws. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Oh, they swim up behind you. You ever seen those videos of like being in a an in inner tube boat and then this like 
hippo comes like you can see it. the eyes sticking out it, it, it doesn't look like there's much behind it okay. and then all of a sudden it like jumps out it's the largest thing you've ever seen in your life deceptively fast as well yeah no they swim really fast like d lineman yeah oh yeah they're real quick <laughs> it makes them so deadly that's right all right back, back to the killer bees. bees um killer bees the only other thing i'm thinking of my girl you know when he gets killed by the bees at the end saddest fatality by bees i can remember Kevin McAllister? Yeah. <laughs> Little Macaulay Culkin? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm deathly scared of bees. I'm not deathly scared. I don't like bees. I have... You're um, not the kind of guy that just sits there letting, like, man, if you don't bother it, it's not going to bother you. I try to take that tact yeah. with it, but if it gets close enough, no, I'm, I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to freak out. <laughs> I, I don't have an allergy to them, yeah. but I have a strong reaction. To okay. Them. So, like, if I get stung, my hand will look like, it'll look huge yeah. if I'm stung on my hand. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just have a strong reaction. But I don't know when they came here. I don't know. Okay. I don't know if they're just running around looking for their next murderous victim. That's right. I don't know. What, what, what are they up to? So, the killer bee, or the Africanized bee, is a hybrid honeybee species. It's a Eastern African lowland honeybee uh, bred with a European honeybee, so either like an Italian or an Iberian honeybee. I think the Italian honeybee is the most common, the most popular honeybee for honey production and wax and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So they're Eastern Hemisphere bees, right? How did they get here? Because they are here, mm-hmm. and you should be afraid. <laughs> you should be, yeah, you should have stayed back there. Yeah. Well, Stay on your eastern side. Uh, in 1956, it was introduced in Brazil by a guy named Warwick Kerr, is a biologist. Uh, the idea was to increase honey production, uh, especially in like the tropical climates. Okay. And the next year, 1957, uh, somehow 26 swarms escaped quarantine. Of course. I feel like a quarantine. Such a I feel like a honeybee right now. Yes, <laughs> I got to get out of here. Yeah. It was such a futile thing. Quarantine. That's right. Someone's getting out. It'll never work. Never. Uh, since then, they've been spreading north. They arrived in North America in 1985. Uh, I think the first ones in the States were in California, but they don't think that was a natural migration. They were like in some shipments from South, South America in 1990, uh, in their natural state, they were found in South Texas. So they had migrated in 19 by 1990. They had migrated from Brazil to Texas, to the United States. There's 29 subspecies of the species, Apis mellifera. Okay. Uh, and they're all cross fertile. They can all go bang each other. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Warwick Kerr, the biologist, he was interbreeding honeybees in an attempt to create a strain that would produce more honey in the tropical climates. Um, they were noted that like these interbred bees were way more defensive than other honeybees. Uh, in these, I guess, uh, hives that they were using in Brazil, they had these excluder screens, which prevented uh, the larger bees, like the drones and the queen, from getting. Uh, out with the local honeybee populations. By 1957, a visiting beekeeper noticed the screens were interfering with the worker bee movement, so he took them out, and then 26 swarms were released. And then it's done. Yeah, they spread, they mated, they're all cro- they can all crossbreed, so they, so they mated with other local breeds. They're considered a, uh, an invasive species as well. Mm-hmm. Um, as they started moving north, it started causing hysteria, obviously, because right. they're so invasive and all that kind of stuff. Are, are they bigger? Like, not. I don't think they're... Typically, maybe a bit bigger. I feel like just like the African bee is probably a bit, yeah. bit bigger than the than like the European yeah. strains. But because I feel like some of our bees, our normal bees, our normal U.S. bees, can be pretty small, and then a bumblebee, as they think of it in like Europe, is is fat. fairly large and yeah. fat. Yeah, 
Huh. Yeah, I mean, there, if I see something flying around this yellow, I'm like, oh, it's a bee. Yeah. No idea if it's a bee or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of where I go. So, yeah, it started causing this hysteria, which led to some movies being made in the 70s. You had the swarm. You had deadly bees, where these swarms are just taking over cities, stinging people hundreds of times, killing everyone. Mm-hmm. That's not ever going to happen. But this did pave the way for a movie that I just found out about today called Tsunami. Tsunami? <laughs> yeah. 2015. I haven't seen it. It's got like a 24% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it it sounds interesting enough. Yeah. It's like uh, Sharknado or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Check that out. Characteristics of these bees. You got the drones, you have the workers, and you have the queens. Okay. The drones, male. They live for typically five to 10 weeks. The workers are all female, 50-day lifespan. And you have a queen, female, obviously, one to three-year lifespan. They can lay over 1,500 eggs a day. Wow. It's a ton, right? Yeah, so okay, so the drones are all male. Yeah. The honeybees are all the workers female. are all the workers female. are all female. Yeah. And then the queen is obviously a female. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Um and then is she impregnated by the drones? Yes. Okay. Got it. Got it. No more questions. I'm gonna say yes to that. <laughs> uh so other characteristics, they swarm more frequently and they go far go farther than other types of honeybees. So swarming obviously like all in one group moving from place to place. Okay. Um, they're more likely to migrate as a seasonal response to lowered food supply. I'm going to move my mic for a second. Uh, much more defensive. They guard, they guard their hives a lot more aggressively. Typically they live in ground cavities rather than, you know, on tree branches, stuff like that, mm-hmm. or inside of dead, dead limbs or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they respond in greater numbers as a defense mechanism and they'll pursue their threats for longer dis- distances. Yeah. They've been known to pursue threats for over 500 meters. They'll chase you a quarter mile, basically. That's crazy. Half a mile. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think they'll stay over, like, if you, say you jump into a bottle, a, a, a body of water to try to get away. I think they'll stay above you. One thing I read on pest.com is don't try to escape in water because they'll yeah. just hang out and wait just, for you to surface. Yeah. And they'll just attack your face. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Um, the venom is the same as other honeybees, but they, since they attack in much larger numbers, they're, they're more dangerous. Okay. Yeah. So on their own, they're the same. They're the same, essentially, yeah. They're more defensive, they're more aggressive, but they're, the but sting they work, isn't any different. Right, but they, they attack you more as a group. Yeah. Got it. Uh, I read they're harder workers than European honeybees. I guess it's largely due to the climates they originate from. So like you're in like sub-Saharan or Saharan Africa, that stuff, like the harsher climates, they're still working, they've adapted. So stuff that would, circum- certain circumstances that might keep European honeybees in their hive. These other honeybees are out working. Okay. They're not lazy. They're not lazy bourgeois <laughs> European honeybees. Oh, it's a little too, too, too cold today. That's right. That's right. I'm going to stay in my hive today. <laughs> not these guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, even though they're harder workers, they produce less honey. Well, then... <laughs> This, so well, then how do they define work? Them being hard workers is from one source. Them producing less honey is from another. So I'm just going to put them to both together and just say that they work harder. So they look like busy bees, but they ain't doing shit. That's right. They produce l- five times less honey, in fact. Oh, my God. Oh, so yeah. the European bourgeois is doing the right They're thing. They're really good at, at uh, pulling the, the the fake Excel sheet up over their computer when yeah. their boss walks by. <laughs> right, right. Oh, 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 I'll just keep working <laughs> yep. over here. Yep. Just uh, putting in monthly reports here. Yep. yep. I'm back to bee porn. oh that orgy of bees yeah uh so what's the threat to humans then right because these guys are obviously super dangerous there wouldn't be hysteria if they weren't really dangerous Mm -hmm. uh they're pretty much misunderstood and blown out of proportion what's a killer bee (laughs) they kill one to two people per year (laughs) okay killer i don't know i mean honeybees got to be up there as well 
the same kind of thing, I would imagine. I mean, I would imagine some idiot would go do something similar to a honeybee, a normal honeybee. Yeah, or yeah. just allergic. Um, but that it would require a response from the entire honeybee. Yeah. Just yeah. It, it seems like you could get a response from a from a, a normal North North American honeybee. Right. But it's got to be pretty warranted. Typically Italian, yeah. But they're just, uh, you know. <laughs> These killer bees sound like they'll kill you for nothing, though. That's right. Yeah. Don't right. Walk over here. So, I mean. What are you looking at? They, they attack when they're threatened. And some of the things that threaten them are a perceived threat of the colony or hive. So, I guess you're too close to their colony yep. or their hive. A lot of these are in the ground as well. So, you don't even see them until you're right on top of it. Mm-hmm. Then you're screwed. Uh, loud noises, strong odors or fragrances, shiny jewelry, but also dark clothing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and they typically attack the face and ankles. I'm guessing just exposed areas. Yeah, you got to think. Yeah, I don't know why. Maybe there's a reason they go after your ankles. I don't know. I would love to see the bee constitution talking about like what, what gets right. them. We strike up. them here and here. <laughs> Dark clothing. Yeah. Uh, what do you do if you're attacked? Any idea? Um, you don't get in water. We've stated that. Run as far as you can. Yeah. That's right. Run away in a straight line and protect your face. They are relatively slow flyers, so most healthy people can outrun them, but you're going to have to run a pretty you have to run like pretty quarter, far piece. Half, quarter mile, half mile? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Avoid other people because they'll get attacked too. Okay. <laughs> that was a tip from, from pests.com. <laughs> Don't run towards other people. You're guilty by association. I hated this guy. You were running from me. Right. Ran over to this person. Well, it's like I now always thought- both, Now you're uh, both done. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, if you're getting chased by a bear, you just need to be faster than the slowest person. Right. You can be faster right. than Once one Once you person. catch one, yeah, yeah, you're good to go. No, nah, I guess you're all just getting attacked by these bees. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah, we mentioned the water thing. They're just going to wait for you. So, I mean, basically, they're largely misunderstood, I think. They are more aggressive. I think uh, the, the biggest chance you have of being attacked is if you accidentally stumble upon their hive. They're not really in urban areas, I think. Mostly just the southwestern United States. Right. In terms of in, in the in United States, that's where they are. Um, but I, this got me thinking, uh, what are some of the worst stings that are out there from insects? Mm-hmm. There's a guy, Justin Schmidt. He's uh, known as the king of sting. He's an in- insect expert. He created the pain scale for stinging insects. How did he create this? Well, he let all these insects sting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was way worse. And he, and he set it on a scale from one to four. So I've got his top 10 here. First, or, so I guess this is number 10. I think this is in... Descending order from at least from the, the rankings. Okay. There's one in there that I didn't really understand, but I'll give some. These are all for insects. It. Yes. Okay. You have the Western yellow jacket wasp. Ooh. Which I thought yellow jackets and wasps were two different things, but I guess a yellow jacket is a wasp. Yeah. I it's think like so. a square, a rectangle is a square. Square is a rectangle, rectangle is not a square. square. Type thing, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gave these a two out of four on the pain scale. These actually eat the flesh of prey sometimes. There's like an open wound on a mouse or something, they'll just eat the flesh. Uh. He described the sting as hot and smoky, almost irreverent. Mm. <laughs> Two out of four on that one. Number nine, you have the giant Bornean carpenter bee. This thing is super fat looking and had like purple wings. It's actually kind of cool looking. Okay. Uh, two and a half out of four. Interesting about these, their jaws can chew through wood, so they make their hives in a lot of like dead branches and trees and stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, described the sting as electrifying, sharp, and piercing. We're going to up it a little bit here. The Florida harvester ant. Uh, these can be in like sandy areas in the in North America. Uh, three out of four. It's a long lasting sting. This is different than a fire ant. These look like fire Florida. ants to me. Okay. Yeah. But I think the fire ant's probably not the proper nomenclature. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll just call them Florida harvester ants. 
Uh, bold and unrelenting. Somebody is using a power drill to excavate your ingrown toenail. Oh. <laughs> oh. So that was number seven, the Florida harvester ant. And number six, we have the Maricopa harvester ant, also a three out of four. Some have said it's the most to- has the most toxic venom of any ant in the world. I don't know that it gives you enough of a dosage to kill you, but uh, it said that some, I mean, it would have to be multiple, right? Because it said that Mexican outlaws and American Indians would sometimes tie down their enemies next to one of these like, like ant nests, ant hills, just to torture and kill them. Oh, yeah. I guess uh, you get stung enough times. Yeah. Super long lasting uh, pain. He said, after eight unrelenting hours of drilling into that ingrown toenail, you find the drill is wedged in the toe. Oh. <laughs> number five. Have the, or number six, number six, red paper wasp. This is a three out of four as well. Interesting thing about this guy. If you piss off, if you piss this wasp off, he's going to put venom into his hive to rally the troops and they're all going to come after you. Oh, yeah. Calls for backup. That's right. So this was a caustic and burning with distinctly bitter aftertaste, like spilling a beaker of hydrochloric acid on a paper cut. Oh, (laughs) because really, uh, really eloquent. Yeah. Really detailed. Uh, this one didn't make much sense. This is number four. Five here, the Western honeybee. I think this one's included basically because you, you're most likely to get stung by it, especially for its uh, craving of sugar. So, you know, you go to take a sip of your soda yeah, and it stings your tongue. And yeah. That's People kind of get stung in their throats yeah. and stuff. Oh, yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's just, it, it hurts. It sucks for yeah. a while. I'd been at camp and that was always one of the, the things, you know, bees would hang out around the trash can or something. Yeah. And then somebody would drink in a soda, drinking a Coke, and then, then like laughing and then. Yeah. Throat closes up. Yeah. Dead. Oh man, dead. <laughs> Horrible. So that he didn't give a, a, a. I didn't see his rating for that one. Also, I don't know why it was number five or but there, but anyway. Uh, number four, you have the velvet ant. Three out of four on this. These guys are basically wingless wasps. Uh, he said the sting is explosive and long lasting. You you sound insane as you scream. Hot oil from the deep fryer spilling over your entire hand. Oh, oh. Now we get into the last three. And these are all four out of four on the scale. Uh, you probably, you maybe heard of this one, the bullet ant. Hmm. I think these are in like the Amazon area. I was going to say Brazil. Yeah. Uh, they say the bite is similar to being shot. Whoa. Yeah. Pain lasts for hours. So it's pure, intense, brilliant pain, like walking over flaming charcoal with a three inch nail embedded in your heel. Oh my God. From one little ant. I think, uh, I watched a documentary or something sometime on like the travel channel or one of those things where in these like indigenous tribes in the Amazon, part of their like becoming a man thing is they have, they make these like gloves out of leaves and they just fill them with bullet ants. You have to stick your hands into them or something. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. And they just last for hours. I, I'm not sure if it's a bullet ant, bullet ant, but I think there are some ants in Brazil that they, they'll eat everything. It's like, um, They'll like go through the forest and eat every plant. Oh, really? It's like it, it, when it comes, it's like you have to. I mean, they'll they'll even eat um, animals and stuff. Like they'll. Jesus. There's so many of them. Yeah, I have to look this up because I could be could be a good follow up next week. Okay. Uh, number two, tarantula hawk. These guys, uh, they kill tarantulas basically. They're okay. wasps. They're wasps type that things. Yeah. Right. They kill tarantulas. That uh, that wasp in uh, Wild Wild West. Yeah. It was, a, it was a robot, I think, but yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. they saw the desert wasp land on the tarantula. Right. Yeah. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, four out of four. He goes, stung by a tarantula hawk? The advice I give is to lie down and scream. <laughs> it's like a running hair dryer has just been dropped into your bubble bath. Oh, my God. Which I think would just kill you. But, yeah. Um, number, number one, the warrior wasp. Four out of four. This guy... Uh, 
apparently when you're attacked by its hive, they beat their wings in unison. So it just sounds like <laughs> troops coming at you. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sting likely will require medical attention. Lots of swelling. Yeah, the quote was just uh, torture. You were chained in the flow of an active volcano. Why did I start this list? <laughs> <laughs> where Do you know where that one lives? Uh, Not that I, I wanted I want to know, so I never go there. Let's see. Warrior wasp habitat. Tropical rainforests. For the most part, yeah. Yeah, the for- tropical rainforest of America. Oh, that's not good. That's yep. where I live. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> not in Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy, though. So that's uh, that's killer bees with a little extra credit on stinging insects. I like it. Yeah. Michael, one thing I learned this week was if you're a doomsday prepper... You're supposed to stockpile a thousand rounds of, infor- of of ammunition for every weapon of that for that ammunition that you have. Yeah, and I'd actually read a little bit more into it. Uh-huh. It's a thousand rounds to stockpile for that for that weapon. There's also another. They recommend another thousand rounds to stockpile for practice. Oh, so yeah. it's really two thousand rounds per weapon that you have mm-hmm. if you're going to be a doomsday prepper. Right. Well, and some of those weapons I think can take multiple types of ammunition as well. That's right. Well, add that to the amount that you need. Yeah. Talk about thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars people are spending on this. Yeah. Just to have in their house. Well, you know, I, crazy doomsday preppers. I don't get it, but I mean, maybe I'm gonna be left on the outside. You know what I mean? Also, interestingly about that is you're not supposed to tell anybody about that you're a doomsday prepper. You're sworn to secrecy? Well, I think you're supposed to keep it so that, you know, if, if something so people so don't run over goes your down, house you're the first place they go. You're like, I'm going to run over because you were super prepared. Right. Okay. So that makes sense. Keep it to yourself. That makes sense. Yeah. So you learned another thing this week. Yeah. The one thing I learned this week, uh, Elon Musk is either doomed his child or he's a huge troll. So he and his partner Grimes, Canadian music yeah. music singer mm-hmm. lady, they had a baby either yesterday or two days ago. Did you see this? I shouldn't see they had a child. They had a child. They had a little boy. And uh, Elon posted pictures of him on Twitter. He gave him like a little Snapchat filter with tattoos on his face. <laughs> and they asked what, his, what the baby's name was. I don't even know how to pronounce this. Uh, the letter X, then a space, and then ash which is like the a combined a and e you okay know what I'm talking about yeah uh space a dash 12 that's what he said the child's name is has he pronounced it or no, he just wrote it was just that? written down people are thinking like okay well it's x ash archangel because a12 is the lockheed martin archangel <laughs> codename archangel the plane uh so maybe it's like xavier ash archangel or something like uh-huh. that um i, I don't know i mean well, it's, it's just gotta be a joke it's gotta be something like you know, high tech nerd speak that I don't understand. Must be. It means like something in coding or something. I have no Super idea. Super high IQ people. Or else you let his baby type it on his phone. And that's what <laughs> came up. <laughs> you type it. <laughs> Just put it, put the baby's hand against his phone. <laughs> and that's what came up. I like that story. Yeah. X Ash Archangel. I have no idea. He also said that he was going to give away all his money or he's not going to have any possessions, hmm. including a house. Yeah. Well, he's got a kid. He's got, that, this is his seventh kid apparently. Yeah. He's got a lot of kids. Two, two previous wives. Okay. Tons of girlfriends. <laughs> here, dude you guys are casanova i mean look at him <laughs> so that's what i learned uh what do you think i think he's just trolling i think he's got to have something normal i, think he's I mean a troll. Th- to be fair the baby's parents are named elon and grimes 
That's so, true, but kind of that is track. a stretch. Yeah, I think he's a troll. He he just likes people like people freaking out. Yeah. What you can't name a baby that? <laughs> what are you doing, Elon? Go actually, we're gonna let my baby choose its name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he does have a school that he funds that like does learning in different ways. Yeah. Like, oh, if you want to learn about making a car, like you should start taking apart a car. Right. Right. That's interesting stuff. Yeah. All right, well, that's what I learned about Elon and his baby, X-Ash Archangel. Take care, baby. Michael, we're going to talk about how smart we are. Mm. Tell me what you know about IQ. IQ is uh, the intelligence quotient. Very good. <laughs> would not have been good if I had missed that one. <laughs> Although I don't think that's part of the IQ test. I have never uh, taken a real IQ test. I've done those online ones before. You have? Yeah, but I don't even know what I got. Well, as we get into it, those are all bullshit. That's what I figured. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a measure of of uh, how smart you are. How yeah. smart you are capable of being. Yes. Somewhat. 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 It, it's a measure of intelligence. Yeah. And I think uh, like average is in the 80s, maybe? Uh, Higher? Well, no. So no. we'll actually, we'll get to this. Okay. Uh, no, but you're, I think knowing that it was the intelligence quotient... Yes. That's better. I, I think that was more than when I started. I was like, what does IQ mean? Yeah, intelligence. Because there's EQ as well, which is your emotional quotient. Emotional quotient, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it comes from a, there's a German word, intelligence quotient. Intelligence quotient with a Z. You got to say it angrier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's your intelligence quotient? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a measurement of intelligence. It's a standard score that indicates how far above or how far below someone stands in their mental ability. Mm-hmm. So it's not even a question of like your intelligence on its on its own. It's your intelligence by where you fit in relation to everybody who's taken the test. Mm. So it's like a standardized v- viewpoint of intelligence. Okay. Doesn't mean Is there a perfect score? No. no. So that's the whole point. Yeah. Like you said that the average is in the 80s whatever. The average would be 100. The way the the test works out is that the median score mm-hmm gets a hundred. Okay. Um, so if you're, and then, and then the way they do the, um, there's different scoring mechanisms, but basically like standard deviations above, uh, go up to like 112, yeah. 116, 124, and it goes up to, I think 160. Okay. Um, and then it obviously goes down in the same way. So like the number is actually kind of meaningless. It only depends on, you kind of got to know who the body of people you're being compared against to. Right. So let's go back a little bit. Mm-hmm. So in the early 1900s, uh, the French government asked psychologist Alfred Binet yes. to identify students who would have a hard time in school. Um, before this, though, I went, I went way back and then we're going to go a little bit more back. Okay. Before this, though, you had this guy, William Stern, who was German. Yes. And he kind of came up, he, coined, he was the first to coin the term intelligence quotient. Yeah. Uh, he was actually born in Berlin and he died in Durham, North Carolina. Kind of oh, interesting. Probably in 1938. Probably something at Duke. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, any case, uh-huh. he first coined that term. <clears throat> and then uh, you had these this guy, Alfred Binet, who kind of got this job from the, the French government. All the kids now have to go to school. We need to find the ones that are going to have the hardest time. Tell us how we should like identify them. Right. And so him and his uh, colleague, his partner, Theodore Simon began developing questions that focused on things that you normally wouldn't have studied in school, like attention, memory, problem-solving skills. So you'd kind of look at this test and then be able to see, oh, you're um, 
they kind of created a mental age. Mm-hmm. So you might be eight, but you might read as a 10-year-old or something like that. So it would kind of identify that. It's like, oh, you're 10, but you've, you're probably as smart as a 13-year-old. Yeah. So it all kind of is, is, is standardized and normalized mm-hmm. across the sections of the people taking the test. So even if you get every answer right in a, in a vacuum, great, you're a smart person. But you need to have like a large sample to say you're this much better than the rest of the pack. And that's why um, the hundred, like a, a hundred, IQ of 100 is the normalized median uh, for all people. So if you take it, a thousand people take the test, people that score in the middle would be 100. And you could have like, you know, a 160 standard, standard deviations higher. Kind of sure. think of like the bell curve. Yeah. It's exactly what it is. So, um, so you have this idea of this mental age. And, and then in the U.S., there were these researchers at Stanford, Lewis Terman, mm-hmm. 1916, kind of took this idea and took your mental age divided by your age times 100 gives your intelligence quotient for his scoring. And this sort of blew up in the United States and used by the army and the military to kind of figure out how smart people were. Okay. This really only works well for, for children. Because the idea is that this mental age, like what's the mental age of a 32-year-old versus a 28-year-old? Probably not much difference. Right. Um, so this really only gets be- only works when you have the idea that uh, as you get older, you get smarter. So it kind of breaks down as you get to a certain, um, a certain age. But it ended up being that um, normalizing it into just the, the standard pack of people that, that took the test uh, was able to get beyond just this this mental age divided by age. So it's kind of like everybody take the test now, uh, wherever you fall in relation to. They are, they try to pair people by demographics and socioeconomic backgrounds and all these different things so that the the group was very similar to each other. Right. That way you could be like, oh, you are smarter than this person or you're not smarter than this person. All right. So that's basically the IQ test. Gotcha. Um, there are two main tests. There's the Stanford Binet intelligence scales test and then there's the weschler adult intelligence test the weschler adult intelligence test is the one that i'd kind of mentioned got rid of that requirement for only really working in in children Mm -hmm. um so the weschler one would be one that if you're going to join the army you've got to be you can't the army doesn't take people in the lowest 10 percent of intelligence which is kind of interesting can you fudge the numbers if there was a draft, could I pretend to be stupider on this test? You just have to be stupider. in the bottom ten percent of the people taking the test. <laughs> I mean, test. that's like, well, that's very low, I would imagine. Well, it's um, you yeah, it's pretty low. Like my shoes would have to be tied together walking in there, basically. But one aspect that that this sort of raises, though, is that there is a certain subset of the population that can't even join the military. Right. So, like. What job can you do yeah, in this society if you can't even join the military? There's not a job in the military they can I, find to give you. Isn't you that know, crazy? I would but, ima- but I would imagine that like a lot of these lower uh, IQ, you know, people have some kind of disability or something like that, right? Yes. So there. Well, that's basically. This kind of gets brought up when people start talking about like welfare services mm-hmm. and helping people out. You know. There's some. There's a certain subset of the population that everyone needs to acknowledge cannot do everything. So this whole like yeah. bootstrap idea, like, kind of needs to go out the window because it won't work. Right. 
Um, but we'll get to a little bit more of these implications of this test okay. uh, after this. Um, all right. So in 1946, you had this guy, Roland Barrel, who's an Australian, <laughs> but he founded uh, Mensa. I'm sure. Have you heard of Mensa? Yeah, of course. You're, oh, you're a real Mensa student. <laughs> No, I mean, I know what Mensa is. <laughs> but have you ever heard people be like, oh, yeah, he's a part of Mensa? Uh, or right. Like, people like almost use it as like a... An insult. Kind of like... Oh, yeah. It's like... Because it's so ridiculous. So to be a part of Mensa, you need to be in the top 2% of yeah. people who take the IQ test. Which one? Uh, either. Oh, okay. They have... And they and they and there's a whole list of other tests that they will take as well. Uh-huh. So if you score a certain number, you can get the approved test results send yeah. it to mensa and you can join their little club yeah i mean i have a in the back of like airline magazines where the games are they have that mensa section mm-hmm. I can't even begin to answer those questions <laughs> yeah probably yeah they're probably pretty hard a lot of interesting problem solving in there yeah but it's mostly that i'm just like oh i should give up like maybe if i just actually tried i mean i'm on an eight hour flight just you have time you got time but you know what i'd rather do this sudoku <laughs> <laughs> If this square is larger than this square and that square, it's not even that. It's like uh, a sentence, and it's like uh, rearrange this forty-letter sentence into a sentence that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That is actually a sentence. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not usually good at those those questions about like uh, rearrange these these letters to letters to make us a, a word, or mm-hmm. whatever. I, for some reason, I can't move them around, but like spatial stuff, I'm like pretty good at. Okay, so it's like those different types of questions in there. I'm better at than others, yeah. but. But it's all basically, well, we'll get to it. Uh, so yeah, Mensa in Latin means table. Mm-hmm. Don't really know why they wanted to be table. You guys get a seat at the table. The genius table. The, table. the genius table. That's good. Uh, yeah, it's a British organization and was up until the 60s. Roland Barrel was Australian. Yeah. He founded it in Britain. Uh-huh. He, he kind of, he's a weird guy. Uh, he also was a part of these, um, he wanted people to wear more he wanted men to wear more brightly colored clothes. Uh-huh. So he was a part of uh, a men's fashion movement at the time. He's trying to, trying to make it, trying to make the, the movement. Okay. So that didn't really work out, I guess. So uh, they I'll founded sh- I'll show these guys I'm smart. Actually, <laughs> smart I am. <laughs> he ended up dying a recluse in Britain, okay. in London. Uh, anyways. So the, yeah, so I went on their website and figured out wh- why join Mensa. Like you might even be a really smart person, but why would be the reason you should join? Yeah. So you can just flex your mental muscle. You can show other people I'm a part of Mensa. Do you get a pen or a badge or something? Uh, I don't. I didn't see if they send you something. They might send you an ID card, <laughs> certificate. Yeah, yeah. You're in. You're in Mensa. Uh, you can just join a community. People like you. Super smart people. Yeah. Uh, they send you a publication, a magazine. Uh, they send you brain teasers. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And in some countries, Mensa sponsors a members-only credit card and insurance program. So they basically just annoy you for the rest of your life. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's also a program that aids traveling Mensons. They call them Mensons. Like like Like, an insurance for, like a traveler's insurance for Mensa members? Yeah. Because I guess they feel that since they're smart and have such a high IQ, maybe it's better to, let's insure them because... Maybe they're a better bet. You're so smart, but you signed up for Mensa insurance. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, do you want a list of maybe some some famous Mensa members? Yes, Einstein. Uh, Isaac Asimov. Okay. Um, <laughs> and for our listeners who are way dumber than me, who is that? 
Uh, a physicist. Right. Yeah. Of course. See? There you go, guys. There you are. Um, I'm trying to th- Dota, the Polish pop singer. Emma <laughs> Dumont, American actress, model, and dancer. Anybody I know? Uh, I'm trying to find the other ones that you would really know. Chris Hadfield, a retired Canadian astronaut. <laughs> Steve Martin, I think, is in the, is in Mensa, but this is he is not. He's really. I think he has a high IQ, but I do not know if he's um, a he, part of the Mensa community. He rushed the frat and got it initiated, but he doesn't really hang out. No, with he anymore. didn't hang out. This is stupid. <laughs> this is stupid. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'll bunch of these smart people. Yeah, There's, yeah. They don't really listen to anybody that like is super intelligent. I I, read, I was reading a bunch of articles about you have Elon Musk on there. They they don't. I don't think he's a part of Mensa. Hmm. So these are are list of mensons right well because it's one thing to be really high iq it's another thing to be like i need people to know that i'm really high iq correct and that's why the organization is kind of stupid right but um but it's not necessarily even a a measure of full intelligence it's just it's a measure of your test by way of comparison to everybody else Mm -hmm. so it's not like elon musk might not even be in mensa right somebody kept asking uh stephen hawking if he's like a genius level quality he's like the idea iq is the stupidest thing Ever. Okay. Kind of thing. So it's like, I think from the standpoint of determining if kids are maybe learning at a higher rate earlier, I think it makes sense. But to compare people who are all, you know, normal adults, right? it's a little stupid. Well, yeah. And it's also just another standardized test that only tests, it only gives one feedback, I feel like, right? I mean, it's that whole thing where it's like, yeah, if you, uh, so if you ask a fish to climb a tree, he's going to look like an idiot. Right. You know, that right. kind of thing. Exactly. Like maybe you can show your strength in other ways. Yeah. Rather than being able to rearrange sentences. Well, it's also, um, you know, a standardized test, as you mentioned, but like people can game the test. Once you learn what the test is asking mm-hmm. for or trying to find, you can kind of deduce what some of the answers would be. Yeah, with any standardized test. Yeah. E- exactly. Yeah. So you can like, you can study for the test, right? Right. But like, so you might be... Somebody who isn't just good at test taking, but might be very intelligent, mm-hmm. just might not score well on it. Right. You know? So if you don't know how to like, like in a lot of, te- a lot of tests with certain types of questions, you can figure out, okay, well, it might not get the answer, but you'll be able to eliminate a lot of answers. And right. Just improve your chances. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which is sort of a part of the test in and For of sure. itself. Yeah. Um, so it brought up um, this next little part where it, it's sort of the argument between genes uh, and environment. Genes versus environment. Okay, and so a, f- a former Mensa they call world it president nature versus nurture in some places. Nature versus nurture, <laughs> yeah, but but it's somewhat different. Okay, just because um, it's it's basically asking: Are you born as intelligent as you are, mm. or does like you your more intelligent? Yeah, that and does your environment affect you? Right, in that way. So it, it also goes towards you know a lot of. Racial discussions, sure. a lot of that kind of thing. Socioeconomic stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So Sir, Sir Cyril Burt, who was a Mensa world president, had done a, uh, a test about this. He'd done like an actual study. And the results are that it's very highly correlated that intelligence and your score and performance on the IQ test is gene related. Okay. So the way that they did this was basically looking at identical twins. And then they also looked at identical twins that were raised separately. Mm. So they've said, you guys are genetically identical. Right. 
but you guys have different <laughs> IQs. And what? Why is that basically? But they, but they found that they were very similar. That's what I'm guessing, right? Uh, it's genealogical. Thing. Yes. Okay. They found very similar in terms of that, but if they were raised separately, uh, they found big differences. Oh, so it's not. It's environment then. It's both. Okay. It is both. Oh. It's basically just saying that um, your environment can determine which genes get ref- get turned enunciated on. and turned on. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and it's kind of similar, like going back to like our going bald thing. It's like your genes are there, but maybe your environment creates the decision for which which hair follicles turn off and turn gotcha. on. There you go. I thought you were gonna do the accent thing. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so as an aside i've always wondered yeah. how many uh identical twins actually grow up separately from their twin i was just thinking that when i when i was reading can't this, be many can't be like Maybe it's got like a how? dot they're going to separate to adopt like two identical people impossible yeah it seems it's like a pretty the, low. it's like a parent trap is the only time that happens right <laughs> and it's kind of like a mistake right um, anyways, it's like, yeah, well, we just had sex one night and we had made a baby. We're not married. I'll tell you what, we have twins. I'll take one. You take one. <laughs> don't tell them. We'll don't never tell talk to each it. other again. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't, you know. Probably pretty low. Yeah. Um, a couple other things about IQs. They've found that r- people who follow the rules, rule followers tend to have higher IQs. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, checks out. Yeah, maybe both are nerd things. It doesn't mean, though, that if you have a high IQ, you can't make stupid decisions. That happens a lot. Sure. Uh, one question I had from this was, can you get more intelligent as you age? Because the general decline is that you sort of max out. And this is something else I found interesting about the IQ test. It's, it's like there's never a point in your life where you're good or you're the best at all the different categories it's trying to, to go for. So like when you were younger or like around 18 is when you can think you're quickest. Uh, and you can recall things the fastest. Okay. And that's kind of like when it peaks. But your brain can actually peak for problem solving and vocabulary and, and arithmetic much later. In some cases, as high as 50. Mm. Uh, so it's like completely separate kind of how your brain works. And there have been a couple of um, studies that have found that even in people as old as in their 60s and 70s, doing some doing or learning some new task, like they, they taught a bunch of people how to juggle. And some of these people were over like in their 60s. And they found that there was just like a, um, a really a big turn on of gray matter in the brain, which are basically like new neurons, mm-hmm. and new pathways that are firing. And um, yeah, you can basically the, the, the results of it were you can teach an old dog new tricks. Essentially. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you need to do something new, you want to be smarter, try to do weirder things that force your brain into uncomfortable situations how do you take uh one of these iq tests so one of the standard tests can actually be uh the weschler adult intelligence scale right that's a 60 or 90 minute test each of the tests have about have hundreds of questions in them so So you don't finish so uh it depends okay i think the timing uh varies the difference is, is that a bunch of people i think go on facebook and you see IQ tests, like get your IQ test takes yeah. 10 minutes. Those are all bullshit tests. Right. Those are all just like email phishing scams, okay. essentially. Yeah. Like, like I, I, I took one. Uh, How'd you score? Uh, you must it, not have scored very well. It told me, <laughs> stupid <laughs> test. It told me I had like a 110 score. Okay. 
So it's like a little above average. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't pay for the exact result. And then they sent me, I think the, they, they, they've already emailed you. You had to take it. It was only like 20 questions or 18 questions. Mm -hmm. And then they try to make you pay them like three bucks for the, for the results. Uh And then they end up paying, like sending you an email three hours later being like, here's your result. Come pay for something. uh, Oh, you didn't pay. No, I didn't pay for the result. Okay. Uh, but you can go, I guess, take a test like that and pay and find out. Don't do that. It's a bunch of like, um, you know, similes and right different different types of questions. Is it like uh, how many? It's like a big shape. It's like how many triangles do you see in the shape? I didn't see <laughs> any. I didn't see any of that. It was a lot of pattern recognition, like okay, uh, of and they're complex patterns. But like you kind of like this goes to this goes like something to this, could so rotate that, a different way. That right. Kind of thing. Yeah. This goes to this, then it goes to this, and then what does it go to last? Yeah. So you kind of like just select the answer. It's not a lot of the questions I thought but were. But that's easy. So that's on the crap test. I'm talking about like if I wanted to take the real one. It's a bunch of those, but they do they get I think. Okay. I think they should be a little bit harder. Gotcha. Yeah. Can do you just go online and pay for that test, or do you have to go to somewhere that like pro, that like actually proctors it and that kind of thing, or what? You can do both. Proctors is not the right word there, but I think you can do both. Okay, I think you can go some go to some place. Like I think if you're joining the military, you might have to go to one of these places, mm-hmm. pay them fifty bucks, take the test, and get your answer. Yeah, uh, <laughs> get your result. Uh, but you can do the same thing online. But again, it's important because you have to have a body of test results yeah. to be compared against because otherwise like you could get every answer right but in a vacuum it's meaningless right you show that you're very intelligent but. i'll just have to ask uh the internet trolls or they take it because they're all like well, my iq is 125 like they know exactly what their iq is so they've obviously taken all the tests well it, if you go take one in this way the, yeah. the results can be extremely skewed okay because again it's a one th- it's a 125 compared against what Compared against other, how are you getting to this score? So it's a bunch of like, because it's comparative, you can't really take anybody's IQ for for granted. Yeah. Like Trump loves talking about his IQ. Okay. He thinks he's got a high IQ. Probably took some tests, gave him a high score. Now Maybe. he just thinks it's like importance, important to, to, to judge how intelligent you are. Well, I want to know what my IQ is now. Well. IQ test. <laughs> Facebook. Testiq.org. You tell me this isn't legit. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you can. It says find 2020. A lot. Sure find you your IQ. 20 only lot. 20 questions. See, these are too short. Okay, but they're but they're fun to take because they only take 10 minutes. I'm not gonna take this right now. <laughs> Scared about your result? No, I just I don't. Uh, it's not good. It's not good podcast. Dude, 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 we'll be back in 20 minutes. Yeah. Oh, you got an 88. <laughs> 69. Let's go. Um, but yeah, I thought I always hear people talk about IQ. I always see those those uh, advertisements. Kind of want to learn a little bit more about it. It's an easy answer. That's I tell you what, right. I will not be joining Mensa. No, no. Even if I wasn't top two percent. Okay. The 99th percentile. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I will either. Who wants to be there? I want to be right in the meaty part of the curve. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, not showing off. You guys don't come here to listen to not two lagging geniuses. behind. Of course not. That's Anyways, that's IQ. That is IQ. Brilliant. Love it. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening as always. Uh, we will be back next week with more information. See you guys.